0: what's better than this guys being dudes here on the draft dudes podcast presented by locked on It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Thursday edition of the show. The Shrine Game practices are winding down. We had a big influx of underclassmen declarations, a lot to get into here today. Kyle, welcome.
1: My theory has been proven to be wise. LSU winning the national championship was the best possible outcome for the 2020 NFL Draft. Because all these yeah, dudes are coming nice, out. Man. So we saw... Yeah, it is, I'm excited. No, nope, go ahead.
0: What are we... Was this our first time podcasting here? What is what is going on? Um,
1: well, I don't know. Go I'm ahead. on this cheap hotel internet here, so I don't think we're hearing oh. things at the same speed.
0: <laughs> all right. I was like, Jesus, we don't have chemistry anymore, Kyle. Um, well,
1: now we seem to have sorted it out. So you okay, go. Good.
0: Take well, it. no, I was... I was uh, big influx of guys, right? We're still waiting on chase on, but I mean, it feels like even the fringe LSU guys like Sadiq Charles, Jacob Phillips, um, guys like that, that maybe you didn't expect to come out. Did, you know, we thought Cushionberry would come out, but and Jefferson and Delpit and those types of guys, but this was like the motivation that some of these kids took and said, eh, we're done. We, we've done all we can here.
1: Yeah. Uh, Everybody, the exception was, what was it, uh, Ja'Cory, the safety came back, number three.
0: Corey Stevens.
1: announced. Bam, that's yeah, he announced he's coming back. Literally everybody else is out. And like, I did Justin Jefferson over the last couple of days because I watched and, and wrote up Joe Burrow after the national championship game. I did Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Uh, Joe, th- these are really talented players. And of course, it helps to be in... The Joe Brady style offense, in which everybody seemed to always be put put in the best position, and so much of production and, and consistent production on a week to week basis is your coaches knowing how to use you. So Jefferson and Clyde Edwards Hilaire may not have like the elite tools that some other athletes do, yeah. But they were given the creme de la creme of opportunities to showcase themselves their errors are pointing up like pretty significantly. Like I was really impressed watching this was Joe Burrow had the season of all seasons for college football players uh, and and college quarterbacks, but Clyde Edwards, a I think has a chance to be selected in round two and Justin Jefferson. I think depending on what teams are interested in wide receivers and what they're looking for could have a chance to be selected at the end of the first round.
0: That's what's tough for me about both of those guys because i i almost wonder how much the the other talent at wide receiver the other talent at running back just pushes them down because just there there's just not going to be six guys there's not going to be six top 50 running backs you know i just i just wonder if there's a numbers problem here where well, where those guys don't quite get drafted as as high as their talent suggests they could
1: depending on who you ask i mean there's like 50 first round picks so right
0: Right, fifty first round right. picks. There's, there's thirty top fifteen locks. You know, it's this, yeah. this time of year.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So may, maybe, maybe they're amongst the fifty guys guaranteed to go in the top <laughs> thirty two picks. <laughs>
0: but oh, uh, it's always fun. Let yeah, me ask you this. Is, Let me ask you this. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I, I want to ask you about LSU in twenty twenty. It's not good. If I gave you, if I gave you a range here, if I gave you A, B, C or D. In terms of how many losses they'll have next year, zero to one, one to two, three to four, or four plus, or five plus, excuse me.
1: I'll take C, three to four.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair.
1: Just an astronomical amount of turnover to lose Joe Brady, half their starting offense, potentially half their starting defense, and like, Top 100 guys that they, they're potentially bidding farewell to, you'd go Burrow Edwards Hilaire, uh, maybe Cushionberry. Jefferson should be considered a, a lock for that. Christian Fulton didn't declare early, but Grad is is a senior and he's going to be a top 100 lock. Uh, Patrick Queen, Richard Lawrence is like probably early day three guy after watching him and writing him up. Um, did Grant Delpit? Kalevon Chase, like this double-digit top 100 guys that they lost. So the turnover, I think, is just too steep. They're going to lose a couple games, but they have the momentum of the program providing this whole money gate with OBJ thing doesn't blow up in their face. The momentum of the program is moving in the right direction.
0: I, I mean, even just if it was just Burl and Brady, right, I'd have my concerns about them being able to really challenge to win the SEC again burrow and brady plus all that right. man, burrow, It's just
1: burrow brady plus 10 top 100 picks in this year's draft
0: good luck good luck i hope it works out because coach O is so easy to love man um but i mean that 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 was this was a, a unique year for lsu and man they they seized it nine lsu's capable of winning the national championship every year it's one of those programs that always has a chance But really, I mean, it's just a special year where everything was there. They took advantage. They had the right coaches offensively and defensively. And um, they're probably still celebrating in Baton Rouge.
1: As they should be. Um, Yeah. But this was not the only slew of declarations that we've seen, Joe. Tristan Wirfs decided he was jumping into the pool. And this one is a really big domino for the top 20, in my opinion. Uh, because you think about the teams that are offensive tackle hungry and what the the stratosphere of tackle prospects in this year's class, we anticipate that it's going to look like. It's probably going to have Jedrick Wills at the top. Andrew Thomas is more of a scheme-specific guy. I've kind of felt that way for a while now, and it seems to be generally accepted that you know if you run West Coast passing concepts and you run a lot of gap power rushing concepts – Andrew Thomas is probably going to be pretty high up on your board, but that's not for everybody. And if you didn't have Tristan Wirfs, you had those two top guys, one of which was a scheme-specific player, the other one, which is a right tackle, and then it's, okay, well, do you see this big transcendent rise of Makai Becton, or or who else gets elevated? And Austin Jackson declared last night that he's coming in too. So uh, I think the offensive tackle landscape, Got really, really interesting because for a long time, it was anticipated that Tristan Wirfs was going to go back to Iowa,
0: and the offensive tackle class is very happy that he didn't. Uh, This is that makes this group really good. I think we could see three like in the top ten or top twelve. I think we could see four in the top twenty. I
1: mean, you've got the Jets at eleven. Yep, feels like. A lock tackle spot provided Arizona you know, they want to build out offensive line Arizona um, the Giants the Panthers the Cardinals
0: the Browns
1: technically the Dolphins you can include in that
0: yeah um, I'd, so, I'd still be surprised but
1: well what if they don't like the, if they don't like the quarterbacks what do they do they, you know it's it's at least on the table
0: That's where I have a hard time because I just feel like there's two quarterbacks that are definitely easy to like, (laughs) you know.
1: Okay, well, I'm just I'm just trying to present
0: all possible scenarios. Smart, smart, smart. Can't talk in certainties with the draft ever, especially in January. Right. The other, the other Iowa declaration, AJ Epinesa. Man, I did his tape last night, and what what a simple evaluation. He's not tough to figure out. Heavy hands, long arms, great play strength. His push pull is outstanding. His bull rush is dominant. He can two gap. He'll defend the run power rusher. I mean, he's going to be the the dream type player for a Belichick disciple defense. You're thinking, you know, Lions, uh, obviously the Patriots, um, the Dolphins, those teams would love to have Epinesa. And I think think he's definitely a player that I'd take in the top 20. And um, I, I like that he showed some inside pass rush this year. I thought his hand counters were better this year. I thought he used his length better this year. And he's got two seasons, I think, of really good tape. I know that like statistically, he started slow this year, but I went back and watched some of those games and I felt really comfortable by the way he played. And then I like how he evolved throughout the course of the season. By the time he was playing Minnesota and um, uh, Nebraska late in the year, I mean, this guy was just having his way with offensive tackles. And so I really came away getting what I hoped to see with Epinesa, which was good because I think maybe he lost some of his sizzle based on you know just that numbers weren't there early in the year. But I thought he had a good year.
1: All right, now I know you haven't done the other player that I'm going to ask you about, but I've done one of the players and you've done the other. So between yeah. the two of us, we should be able to crack this nut. Gun to your head. Who gets drafted yeah. higher? AJ Epinesa or K. Von Chason?
0: Chason. Do you think
1: chase on goes higher?
0: Yeah, I do. Um, I just think it comes down to him being a more dynamic athlete and having just stupid flexibility and burst. They're completely different players, right? So that's that's right off the bat and schemes could value them differently. But I think it just like in a vacuum, I think you gravitate towards that athletic profile more than the power style player. Even though I think they're both versatile, I like Chase on as a guy that can play Sam linebacker in even fronts if you want him to, yeah. and then rush, rush off the edge or inside. But Epinesa, you know, I think there's just I think he can two gap for sure. He can inside outside rush in an even front. He's obviously going to be able to rush in, in an even front as well from both sides. But like I don't know that he's going to be dynamics in, in space or you know help you really you know take away certain things with, with zone drops and stuff like that, even man coverage at times. I, I feel like just in the vacuum, you gravitate more towards the profile of, of chase on.
1: Which is interesting because I agree with you, but we're talking about two really talented guys, right? But in, the, in the, the scope and lexicon of this year's draft landscape in the top 20, where do you find the slotting that makes sense for those guys to start to go? Because realistically, like Edge 2 and Edge 3, who are viable top half of the first round players, find me a spot.
0: For either? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm going to have to stretch a little here. I mean, um, Arizona Cardinals, Carolina Panthers, the Jaguars maybe. The Jets, the Colts, the
1: Falcons. But all of the, all of the teams They're, that you're mentioning, with the exception of the Falcons and the, probably the Colts, those teams are in conflict because you have comparable value players at, I would argue, higher underneath. positions of need on your roster. So right. that's where it gets really fascinating. Is, is like. You're going to have to have a team that just absolutely positively loves one of these guys, or you're going to see them be available later than what they should be because yeah. of the talent that's elsewhere in
0: the draft class. Imagine. I mean, that just doesn't make sense to me. Talented pass rushers that we right. <laughs> we're having a hard time pegging like, what? well, no, no, it's it's because
1: good rookie young offensive linemen are hard to find and we've yeah, got like three a- guys that are super polished that are just going to cause this domino effect going through the top 20 of the draft order
0: and the quarterbacks right i mean if you look yeah. at burrow to love and herbert if those guys all go in the top 20 then <laughs> that pushes players down and the offensive and tackles will push players down
1: three or four offensive tackles right yeah. if you want to if you want to rope back into the end of the top 20 if if you think he can get that high uh it, we've got several blue chip wide receiver prospects like the, Derek brown
0: Akuda, isaiah simmons
1: yep so i mean we just we just account for problem we accounted for 15 names right there
0: yeah it's, it's, it's math it's crazy math problem here
1: joe it's a great year to have three first round picks
0: uh, I mean, I think it always is, but yeah, def- <laughs> definitely this year, definitely this year, Kyle, looking forward to your happiness.
1: Uh, me too. Um, it's
0: been um, a long time coming. What was weird is I actually, this morning, I, for some reason I was going back and looking at some of the stuff I wrote in the past. And I, I did an article last April about the history of teams with three first round picks. And what's interesting, I think it only happened six times ever in, in the history of the NFL. And then I didn't, wow. didn't, there wasn't there two yet last year, the Giants and the Raiders, right? Giants yeah, and Raiders Johnson, both had Johnson's three first-round picks. It. Yeah. Baker. Baker, Lawrence, and Jones. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then what the Raiders had, Farrell, or Furrell, uh, Jacobs, and, and uh, the safety, John Abram. Abram. Do better than that, right?
1: Well, let's give them time. Jacobs looked pretty yeah, good. Yeah, of
0: course. Of course. Yeah, they, everyone deserves time. But the history, I mean, like, go back and look at the history. Not every team makes those picks count, so... Let's see how those Miami Dolphins do.
1: I have faith because it's a great class. You know, you would have to really reach for an individual trait, which teams do all the time, right? So let's not act like this is a team that would be above that. You'd have to reach for an individual trait to just pass over what feels like in this year a really, really loaded first round. I mean, I'm I'm gonna have close to 30 first round grades when it's all said and done, Joe. I'm, ne- I'm I never I get so. there.
0: Oh, I'm getting there too. Yeah, I'm getting there too. Yeah. Fact Factor fiction, Kyle. All right. Yes. The Miami Fact. Dolphins. Yes, the Miami Dolphins. Yes, the Miami Dolphins makes three selections in the top 32 picks of the 2020 NFL Draft.
1: Three selections in the top 32.
0: Yeah. Do they actually make three first-round picks? I
1: think they. I think they do. I think they should, and the math is possible for them to be aggressive and move up if they want to, without compromising those three first-round picks. So my expectation. I I wrote this last week for. The draft network. Miami should expect to keep all three first-round picks. And if they want to manipulate or move up the board for, for Tua or a quarterback or whoever else at whatever point, go ahead and do it. But you have enough capital that you can do so without compromising the three premier picks in your class in a class that has stupid talent that's going to be available at 18 and stupid talent that's going to be available at 26.
0: Anything else here on these underclassmen, or should we talk a little Shrine game, Shrine Bowl? Or uh,
1: we could talk. Yeah, that I still I'm, I need to get my head on straight. They changed it to the Shrine Bowl, and I think I've gotten it correct twice in the whole week so far. But let's talk Shrine.
0: All right. So uh, I mean, you're the guy. You're the boots on the ground, man. So what's the what's the big takeaways that you have coming out of three days of practice so far?
1: Uh, if there was a guy really impressed me this week that I didn't expect to. It was Nick Westbrook, the wide receiver from Indiana. He's had day one was okay, but like the last two days of practice, he's been really, really effective with using size, winning real estate in one-on-ones and, uh, He's got good body control, good concentration, and has hauled in several impressive contested catches and catches down the field by using his size, length, and extension, uh, body control to adjust to the football. Uh, He's been a guy that's been a riser for me uh, that I've been really impressed with. Uh, The guy who – and I'll I'll be interested to do this with Ben and Trevor who are also down here. I think this is what I'm going to have us write about today has been sitting in the bed next to me and his ears perk up flashing the peace sign. So I guess he says hi to the Draft Dudes listeners. Uh, one of the fun things to do at the Shrine every year is to take the guess and say, who on these two teams will be drafted highest in April? That's fun. And you state, plant your flag in the ground at the end of the event to say, so-and-so really helped himself. So-and-so didn't help himself. Um, Khalil Davis, the the Nebraska defensive tackle, has a, been a guy that Ben has just been oozing about all week. And he's right. He's been really, really good. And um, I think he has a strong case to make to be one of the earliest players drafted on this roster. I might lean Alex Highsmith, the, the edge from Charlotte, who, Joe, this dude looks like he came from NC State, not Charlotte. He is built really, really well. And uh, he's pretty fluid. Uh, super productive player from Charlotte. Well, looks the part. He looks to be really, really disruptive. But I got two sleeper names for you, Joe. Names that uh-huh. weren't really on my radar entering the week but have proven to have really promising talents, and they're both on the East roster. Um, Aaron Parker, the wide receiver from Rhode Island, was really, really nice. Uh, Do you remember Keyshawn Johnson last year?
0: I do. The Fresno State State State.
1: kid? Yeah. Mm -hmm. He reminds me of Johnson for the fact that he's not super explosive. Their builds are similar. But he's so silky smooth with his movements and his route running ability. And uh, he tore people up in the red zone yesterday. He had two over-the-shoulder catches uh, in, against the boundary in which he made really, really nice catches. Uh, he had a high point over Levert Hill where he got to pluck the ball off of him. and uh, I thought all around, Parker's been one of the more impressive wide receivers here. And then a quarterback, James Morgan from FIU. This kid's got a live arm. Uh, He's prototypical quarterback build. He's not super mobile, so he's not going to impress you with his legs or ability to get outside the pocket or anything, but he's got an NFL arm. So they went down and they did red zone work where it was effectively seven-on-seven, ball was on like the eight-yard line or something. And you watch the quarterbacks go through the drills, and everything's so condensed down there in the red zone and nobody at an all-star event wants to be that guy that throws like three picks in the red zone period, right? So everybody's hold the ball. I'm going to work through progression one, two, three. I'm going to come back late to my check down slash shallow crosser that's four yards short of the goal line and just drop it down. James Morgan's the guy that gets to check two, and he says, okay, I'm going to put it high and outside and ask my guy, to elevate and extend his body away from leverage and try and make a spectacular catch. And he actually successfully did so with a couple of these plays. So it's like, okay, he gets it. He, he gets in condensed space, throwing to soft spaces in coverage and give your player a chance, especially at an all-star event, right? To, to make a play and, and it paid off with several really impressive throws from him. And then they went and they did two minute drill simulation. And you know Morgan was up first and he's been running with the ones here towards the end of the week. And uh, they get down to, close to midfield and he hits the back of his drop and he's facing, uh, I think it was Mike Dana was flashing like down the barrel, of the gun at him. And he lets this rope over the middle of the field go and he's not totally set. So it's like off his back foot, and it's to a tight end that's running right down the middle of the field. He had a linebacker in the trail position. And if the tight end had the ability to adjust to the football, it would have been a 30-yard catch. But it was a really challenging throw. And like Ben and I were next to each other for that throw, and we looked at each other and said, okay, yeah, like he's, he understands throwing to space. And I think that's a really important value, not just in the red zone, but also leverage defenders and giving your guy a chance to make a play. And so he seems like from a football IQ perspective, and he's got a live arm. So James Morgan from FIU was the other name that jumped out as – Somebody who I'm really eager to watch and and dig into his tape at the end of this week. we got kind of walkthrough practices today, but if there is anything of note, uh, we'll be sure we cover it tomorrow on the show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in, listening to the Draft Dudes Podcast. I'm Kyle Krabs signing off with Joe Marino. Hit subscribe. Come on back. See us again tomorrow.